This podcast is also brought to you by Bears Bull Brew. Now, if you're like my girlfriend and you love yourself some coffee, check out Bears Bull Brew for some of the most redonkulous roasts on the market today. They got the Brazilian Grizzly Medium Roast. Mmm. The Papua Bear Blonde Roast. Looks pretty good to me. Peruvian Claw Dark Roast. Ooh, I papi. Rwanda Honey Medium Roast. And that's just some of them. That ain't even all of them. So if you want yourself some of the finest coffee you can get, hit up bearsbrew.cells.com that's bearsbrew.cells.com and get yourself some fresh ass coffee sweet and easy on your stomach not gonna give you that weird feeling you get sometimes when you drink that crappy coffee that most people be sipping on no 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 go for the high life get the best made out of rock hill south carolina come on and raise up that's north carolina but you know the drill bears brew coffee get some now you're welcome What is up, everybody? What is going on? Welcome to another episode of NRS, Not Rocket Science. How are we doing? How are we doing out there, ladies and gentlemen? Hopefully well doing this a little early so i want to say on this thursday i usually do these on saturdays or sundays but not today because i'm going home to my parents house so i won't have my recording set up available to me for me whatever so i'm doing a little early today hope you guys are doing well this one's going to be a little different maybe a little shorter but hopefully still all fun and dandy like normal um did you survive the great social media blackout of 2019 that went down yesterday march 13th 2019 Hmm? Hmm? because hmm? i didn't i almost died almost didn't make it just kidding just kidding just kidding but still uh definitely felt the effects i uh had two posts in mind for the old grammy gram and uh it was rough at first i thought i was blocked i don't know about you guys i don't i don't really mess with facebook too hard so i don't really even trust the waters over there that was obviously down it was their servers that were messed up or whatever was going on on the technology side of things um because supposedly Facebook was totally down 
Instagram was partially down. And what that meant for me was actually worse in a way because like Instagram worked like one of those dogs on their last legs that just barely has the juice to like, you know, fetch for the ball. It was like loading and working, but everything was slow. Sometimes the feed wouldn't load. Uh, I It started by not being able to comment on anything. And I'll keep it real with you guys. I do engagement groups. Come on now. I've told you guys this before. I'm in engagement groups. I'm in some German-ass engagement groups. Yep, I'm in a group with a bunch of freaking German dudes who are all about business. And uh, I just comment mostly emojis on their posts. I have no idea what they're saying. Actually, that's not true. There's a translation button. So I kind of know what they're talking about based on their caption. Anyway, long story short... I was trying to comment on people's stuff and I couldn't comment at all. So I thought I was like shadow banned and then everyone in the group, not the not the German one, but the other one um, that I'm in that's American or could be British for all I know, but they speak the English. Um, you know, everyone was freaking out because no one could comment. Everyone could do everything else at first but couldn't comment. So everyone thought we were getting blocked or banned or something. And then it turned out that we couldn't do a whole lot of things and then people start checking out reddit and reddit it was like obvious there was a huge problem and then articles started picking it up and it was like millions of people affected so long and then my my personal account that i put almost no effort into whatsoever that also what like i could comment on that one but the feed wasn't really working very well so that i could tell there was just a massive bug so when you're trying to hustle and grind on the gram and something like that happens, it's a little more severe than if you're just like a casual user because when it comes to the Instagram algorithm, it if you stop engaging for a day, you get penalized for it. But no one was thinking at first like everyone isn't engaging as much because the whole thing thing is broken so everyone's freaking out because they're like losing their engagement for the day which means they gotta do double when, when it comes back or triple and no one knew how long it would uh take for it to work fully or be able to comment again things like that so the whole thing was a mess it was a disaster but uh we went through it it was like digital bird box for a day <laughs> but we came out the other side it's all good all gravy but the thing that really stood out to me was just how reliant we are on this crap now like engagement groups with germans aside it is just insane how much these tech companies have us by our nuts to the point where our entire day and i got into a twitter fight with somebody over this like They were saying how it's like they deserve to give us updates and blah, blah, blah. Even though they did, they were, I mean, Instagram and Facebook, they weren't really great. Those companies are never great at giving like minute to minute upgrades when uh, upgrades, updates when something goes wrong. But they were active on Twitter saying that they're like on, on the job and trying to fix it. But like just the amount of entitlement people feel like they have because they have their entire brand or whatever 
built on these platforms, not realizing that like companies don't owe you shit. You signed the terms of service agreement. You gave them your data. You're basically agreeing to be their bitch. So they don't owe you shit. Is it bad customer service on their part if they're not giving you, you know, minute-to-minute updates because you can't work on your brand deals or whatever? Absolutely, it's bad customer service. But they don't, you don't deserve shit because you're not entitled to shit because you sign their terms of service. You're playing by their rules. What you feel like you are owed because it affects you emotionally that their platform isn't working to your, you know, up to snuff for you, that doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that millions of people were affected by this. That's what matters. And they should have been better at being, you know, keeping people in the loop because it was affecting millions of people. If one person gets affected and they're like a micro-influencer that does brand deals and that's how they make money, sorry, sorry. You know what I mean? Like, you're not entitled to anything on these platforms. You're playing their game. If their game breaks, then they'll have their internal issue of their game breaking. But you're just a player. You're just a user. There's no signed contract that's mutually beneficial other than you get to use their services when it works. It's not like they're contractually obligated to do anything for you. Instagram can turn its platform into a retro 80s video game porn site tomorrow, and they're allowed to do it. They could do whatever the hell they want, and we have no say. And if their thing breaks, there's no obligation for them to let you know other than to provide good user experience, good customer experience, which... When companies scale to like that billions of user level, like uh, like the Facebook slash Instagrams, like the Apples, etc., their customer service when it comes to their platform breaking tends to kind of suck. It just does. It's just how it is. Now, if your laptop breaks, you can take it to the Genius Bar and get pretty good customer service. However, when it comes to meltdowns, you ain't going to get shit because most of these companies' employees are being paid to fix the problem. And hate to break it to you guys, if you work at a tech company, you will realize that the people who would understand the level of progress when it comes to fixing these crazy technological problems that you know are, are like the tech firefighters i guess those people don't sit with the social media team the social media team is going to get their information from somebody else and it's already been a telephone game where they've been filtered and filtered and filtered and filtered and the only reason why they're going to have any kind of twitter update is because somebody at the company in marketing is going to realize they're going to need an update for social media. And people who work more so in product marketing are generally closer to the product and tech team day-to-day than social media marketing and PR teams on, like, communications teams. 
So generally what's going to happen is somebody on the product marketing side is going to ask about it and then it's going to filter into the communications team and then they're going to be able to release a a statement. Although something this big, um, you know, it could have been demanded from executive to get progress from a, a VP or like a svp of tech or even cto level and for something this big it could have it could have filtered to that scale and facebook's a massive company a lot ton of departments who knows but when it comes to small fires the basic organizational structure you know product marketing is are the ones that actually even have a clue with what's going on the technology side i've never worked at a company where the social media and communications team really know the technological side of things well enough where if there's a big fire that happens they're going to be able to talk with the tech team and get like real knowledge and insight to the point where they can make a social media post about it that either has to be done from another another team has to like get that intel and pass it on to them or it has to be something coordinated from like the highest level and that either way you're you're playing telephone games and you're not getting knowledge and updates every 10 minutes it's just not the way it works the people fixing the problem don't give a shit about social media it's just how it's been every place i've ever worked at in my career um hate to break it to you guys but that's how it generally is and uh if something like this were to happen again, don't expect better communication flow from the Twitter of Facebook next time. Uh, it's just not in their nature to do that. Plus, Twitter is a direct competitor of them, in a way, of sorts. So, it is what it is. And trust me, I was just as frustrated as anyone else from the lack of communication, you know, I couldn't post stuff. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Um, I stayed up the night before, you know, designing content and I wanted to post it, but I couldn't, you know, but the thing is, is I, I just didn't feel entitled to anything because I know how these terms of service agreements work. And I've worked with tech teams on tech teams in places with, fairly complex tech products that can go under and i've been in those like days where it's putting out fires and how that communication flow works and it is not this smooth operation and those are at much smaller places than facebook that are monster monster companies with tons of departments tons of building space where different departments can be in their own little worlds and uh I could see how that would play out in my head. And, uh, yeah, it plays out to getting an update every four hours or so. So it is what it is. Um, I just wanted to make sure everyone was okay and no one was freaking out about the social media meltdown. And I just wanted to recap. But for real, though, like, if Instagram just went under, what would people do? seriously like what would people do this is the problem like i and it's a problem that affected me because i in terms of the amount of time i have to do things like i went pretty far in on instagram when it comes to just hedging and uh delivering you know my main content strategy through their platform as a as opposed to facebook twitter youtube whatever 
And like, if Instagram went down, what would happen? What would happen to all these brands that focused on Instagram to grow? Would they all just die out? Would you adapt? I mean, to me, it was kind of like a lesson learned here to be, you know, to really invest multi-platform, which is why I've mentioned this, I think, in the last episode. You know, I'm thinking about going to work for, uh, work with a service to help with just Instagram growth so I can spend more time on content on other platforms. Because to me, the real takeaway isn't Instagram should be better with customer service and Twitter updates. It's I need to get my shit together and be multi-platform, omni-channel when it comes to building this thing out. So I'm not stuck with my Instagram working like shit and the only other thing being the actual Anchor podcast page and the you know Apple podcast store and all that. I need to get my Twitter game up. I need to get my Facebook game. Well, Facebook you know, also was down, but still, Facebook game up, and I got to start thinking seriously about what I want to do with YouTube. Um, I don't have a camera. I would rather work with my friends that are pros at this kind of camera cinematography game and then me trying to figure it out on my own. So I got to f- talk to them and try to figure out what my strategy is going to be. But at the end of the day... I need to scale to other platforms better. And this Instagram thing was a lesson for me to get my shit together and not focus all this time on one egg. Because if that egg cracks, I'm kind of fucked. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of fucked on that Humpty Dumpty type shit. So I don't want to put all my eggs into any one basket anymore. I need to spread them suckers out like a motherfucking Easter egg hunting shit. And that was my takeaway from this Instagram meltdown. And I think it should be kind of everyone's takeaway. You know what I mean? If you have the time and you're trying to build a brand or something, you got to get on everything. You can still go vertical on Facebook. You know, you can sp- you can you can make the decision, I'm going to go more vertical on Facebook than all the other ones. But you got to you gotta be horizontal and vertical. And my problem is I was just going vertical. And I'm not even going vertical enough because I don't have enough time to grow the account and do all the content strategy stuff and create and execute on the content and coordinate when all that's going to happen. Um, I got to do a better job with all that. So that was my takeaway. My takeaway was it was a lesson learned that I got to get my shit together better when it comes to content strategy for this podcast. If I want to do everything I want to do, which is not just have this be a podcast and get guests and, you know, have guests kind of dominate whether or not I get downloads or not. I'm trying to turn this thing into a real brand. Um, I do want to get guests on, but that's just because I think I'm funnier when I have other people to work off of. You know, me just recording in this box to myself. I got better at it. I'm getting better at it each episode. I like it, but I think it's good to mix it up. I think it's better for you guys to hear somebody else other than my weird ass just ranting and waxing poetic all day. So that's why I want to get guests. But I don't want guests to be the carrot of this podcast. And I want this podcast to eventually scale to a real media brand on some level. That's at least the goal. Maybe it's a little aspirational. Okay, whatever. But in order to do that, I got to get my shit together and I got to use more platforms and just produce more and faster at scale so next week i'm gonna figure all that out and go from there but now 17 minutes into this thing i want to switch it up i'm gonna do a little q a um i got some questions this week actually 
and uh, I want to kind of just share the questions and do a little Q&A thing. Um, I'm not going to do this every episode at all, but um, you know, every few episodes I might do a little Q&A segment where I answer you know, two or three questions a little in depth and uh you know it could be current events it could be about business stuff it can be about culture what i really am trying to do is make business culture interesting to younger demographics so anything that falls into that realm on a way where it's even more on a hobbyist level and culture level than like a gary v show or viceland hustle or anything like that to me what they're doing is great and that's kind of like the level two because, you know, Gary Vee's whole thing is about practice, you know, putting things into practice, execution, speed, stop bitching, just execute. But to me, like, I think there's a level where you got to warm up somebody to the point where they're willing to execute. And I'm trying to get people interested in this shit so they eventually listen to Gary Vee and actually execute rather than just watch Gary Vee shit all day and never execute. Um, because I think there is a warming up period that Gary V might underestimate, if anything, because he's just a natural born hustler and doer. And not everyone's like that. I'm not like that. Shit, it took me 10 minutes watching bullshit YouTube videos to actually execute on something. Um, and that, it might be a character flaw on my part, but it might also just be, uh, a type of demographic that exists. So I want to help that demographic. Um. So here it is. Questions, questions, questions. And I'll do silly shit, too. I don't really give a damn. I'll talk about whatever. <clears throat> so this is a question from Instagram. This is from uh, Urful Alpha. Definitely, definitely uh, don't know what that means. But regardless, I kind of yelled into the microphone a little bit there. I apologize. I've had an interest in getting started in podcasting. Any tips on how to start a podcast that actually gets downloads? Is it better to start promoting it before releasing it or vice versa? Um, Good question. So I would say when it looks to starting up a podcast... There's two things. So there's the production aspect of the podcast and then there's the marketing of the podcast, which which already seems to be like the thought process going on in there. So that's good. From a production standpoint, just get a cheap USB mic and go. Even if it sucks, just go. It's You got to just get reps in because it's going to be clunky at first unless you're naturally, naturally gifted. Um, it's just it's not going to be super smooth out of the gate. Um, so just get a USB mic. I use a blue Yeti. That's what this thing is. If this sounds good to you, maybe you should get one too. That rhymed. Uh, so yeah, I would say just get a mic, plug it in, download Audacity. Audacity is like what I would say 90% of podcasters use to record. It is cheap. It's so cheap. It's free. In fact, and uh, very easy to use. You just plug in your USB you go to the microphone panel up to the top left, click the drop-down menu to Yeti uh, stereo mic, and hit monitor. Make sure the mic level's working. One trick with Blue Yeti microphones is turn the gain all the way up and the volume down because if you 
treat it like a real microphone and have the gain like halfway like what you should do by the book you get this weird kind of ringing sound with blue yetis by the way that happened to me when i first started so the trick is to have the gain all the way up and the volume not all the way up um but that's a little you know getting in the weeds there but uh just just do it and go and you know pick a theme what I like to do is, you know, you can write your script, you can edit it, you can splice together clips if it's more of like a uh, true crime kind of show or something like that. But uh, if you want to do it more like this, where it's just like a raw conversation, just plug in and go. If you need um, structure to what you're doing, I would just get a Google Sheet and just write out an outline of what the episode's going to be. But don't overscript it. If you overscript it and you write it like it's a damn Scorsese movie screenplay type deal it's gonna sound so unsmooth and clunky when you actually are are delivering it when you're talking into the mic so I would say if you need structure just make an outline for yourself and then just think about that outline don't try to write word for word scripts when it comes to podcasting I don't I don't think it ever really goes that well um gotta sound natural man so that's the production side when it comes to content, I think other than picking a subject, obviously, the main thing about content is figure out, have self-awareness, really train on having a sense of self-awareness and like figuring out truthfully what you can bring to the table that's unique because there's so much shit that's like the same and there's so much copycatting everywhere. Social media, um, podcasts. You know, and what I do, you know, I talk a little bit about business. It took me a while to actually find out that this is like a digital business type of podcast. But um, to me, one thing that I see a lot is like Gary V and guys like him have such tremendous reach when it comes to audience and such tremendous like influence. You know, there's so many college kids trying to start like hustling based podcasts that just have this Gary V perspective. And they're, they're just these little like Gary V copycats where they're all saying the same shit that he's saying. And what he's saying is unique and it's always unique because his perspective is always evolving and changing and he's always able to give you, you know, new insight. But when I try listening to some of these other podcasts, these college kids, it's like word for word almost what he's saying. And like, I'm like, what are you bringing to the table? Sometimes they get good guests and then that's the, what they bring to the table. But then you're, you're, and this is something Gary Vee said, so I'm literally doing it right now, but like your value of your podcast brand is contingent upon who your guest is episode to episode, which isn't really a good way to do it. So like with me, I'm a little goofy. I'm a little silly. I'm also not like the hardcore business focused, like that kind of guy as much. I like to lay back a little. I work hard as hell, but I, uh, I try to lean in more on the entertainment side of things than just the strictly business blah, blah, blah side of things. So, like, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to blend this digital business entrepreneurial genre that's kind of blown up the past few years. And I'm trying to blend that with just being a silly little ass. Because that's what I am. I'm a silly little ass at the end of the day. And I am trying to make that marriage happen on this podcast and that's what i bring to the table and i try to do that with everything not just this podcast but also like the instagram content today i just released a post and it's like 
uh, expectation, reality, and like the expectation is a picture of Idris Alba and like a suit just on the couch looking all sexy and James Bondish, and then the reality is like Steve Harvey making this ridiculous face and a spiral with like email message notifications everywhere. It doesn't sound very cool when I say say it out loud, but if you go to at NRS underscore show on Instagram and then you just you know, see the picture yourself and then you just double tap on it and then you just hit the comment icon and then you just say, this is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. And then you just tag your five best friends and tell them to just tag their best friends. Then you'll see the value and how it is kind of funny and silly and all that good stuff. So that's what I would say Um, on the content side, be different. It's like anything else. Be familiar yet different. Pick a niche. Pick a genre. Pick something that there's an audience for. And then figure out, based on your personality, how you can be different within that niche. And then from the production standpoint, just start going. Pick a USB mic up from Guitar Center. Download Audacity. Hit that play button. Or record button, I should say. And just go and put in reps and put stuff out there. And use Anchor. Anchor Anchor.com for distribution. That is a must when it comes to podcasting. Um, Check them out. It's pretty easy to use. All right, next question. These are all going to be from IG today. From Motivation Expert. Why are you so big on pot stocks? You talk about cannabis investing on a lot of your posts. Why are you so into it? Good question. You are right. I do post a lot about cannabis stocks on the Instagram. I haven't done that many podcasts about them or anything like that. Maybe I should. Maybe that's a good topic. Um, Why? So I'm a believer where like there's maybe eight or nine moments in your life where there's an actual opportunity to make real money. And I feel like when I see the cannabis sector right now, that opportunity is there, but it's so early, it's hard to figure out what from what and uh but i'm a i'm a believer like i'm a believer in the medical benefits of cbd i'm an active cbd user i uh do feel a difference in terms of my like inflammation and things like that cuz i got some shitty ass joints you know i got some shitty ass ankles um my lower back hurts sometimes so like i feel the effect i for a positive and i also think it's absolutely ridiculous this stuff's illegal in the first place if you study the history on why at least in the united states marijuana was originally illegal um i just think there's a massive massive opportunity because this you know isn't an industry that's going to be legalized fully it's just a matter of time all these old brainwashed fucks in washington just have to die out and then, you know, when the new wave gets all settled in, it'll be fully legalized. And uh, it's just, you know, do you invest in the major, major big-time companies like a Canopy Growth or a Constellation Brands or something like that? And you invest heavy in those types of companies when it comes to stocks? Or do you go the OTC route and invest in small, tiny, tiny brands that you're, you know, betting will become the next big independent, uh, you know, marijuana or CBD brand, edible brand, etc. Like there's, or do you invest in like the manufacturing side of things and 
you know, the equipment it takes to produce the stuff at scale. Like the old saying goes with the gold rush in California and how, you know, the smartest investment were people that invested in shovels because everyone needs shovels to dig for gold, yada, yada, yada. So I just think all the stuff is just forming right now. I don't really know where to go. I mean, one brand that I'm very bullish on right now, and it's the CBD oil that I use, is uh, Charlotte's Web. They are a CBD oil company. They call it hemp oil. That's just to get by government regulation. Out of Colorado, um, but they trade on the Canadian exchange, but also the United States, I believe, as an OTC uh Charlotte's Web Holding Company, Holdings Company is the name. Um, I forget their ticker symbol off the top of my head, but uh, it starts with it's like a C W H C something else. But uh, they have a really good story. I mean, the brand was started because a little girl in their family kept having uh, epileptic seizures as a kid. And they just discovered the power of CBD oil and started making their own for her. And then it turned into like a family business and still is a family owned business. It just seems like a very grassroots operation. And they've been at it for a while now. And their branding is so much better. Like even if you look at their logos and things like that compared to other companies and their social media and their uh, YouTube promotional advertisements compared to other CBD companies, it's not even close. Like their brand and marketing is so far ahead of all these other companies. That's why I'm interested in them. I like their cause and I like their product. I'm in no way saying invest in them or do anything with them. I'm just keeping it real with what I like and what I'm into. And they're one company that I look at very, very heavily uh, as far as a company that could grow big time in the future. But that's why I like cannabis investing so much. I just think it's one of those rare opportunities where you're at the onset of an industry, much like the internet industry back 20 years ago. 25 years ago even where we don't know where exactly it's going but we know it's going forward um so that's it all right what else do we got here from finance lows with a z what is going on why do you seem so down on uber when it comes to their upcoming ipo um it's not that i'm so down on uber per se it's that i don't believe in them long term as a brand because i don't see what drives customer loyalty with them to me there's nothing unique about uber's platform that makes me stay on uber i already left uber i'm on lyft more than uber just because just because the rates tend to be slightly cheaper and that's the only reason why like when it comes to say another company that's going to have an ipo like airbnb there's airbnb's platform how they've combined experiences with houses and just the ease of use with their platform compared to HomeAway and Verbo and how they've really, really honed in on the whole like two to three day stay for cheaper rate than hotel model rather than HomeAway that's more like for like weeks and for more expensive housing. Like the way Airbnb niched down and cornered what they do best and then expanded outward, 
I have a hard time seeing another company executing the way Airbnb has. Whereas Uber, they do the same thing Lyft does and the same thing a bunch of other companies do. They already lost a lot of their market share in Asia. Um, there's constant regulation battles. I mean, Airbnb too, to be fair. But uh, with, with the constant regulation battles with Uber compared to like unionized taxi companies and things like that, which sucks for them. But and they, you know, historically had a terrible company culture. They're cleaning that up now, but I don't know. They're for me, like I worked at a company that had uh, that has not the best company history, and that DNA stays with you when you work at a company, particularly a tech company. Whatever your underlying roots are when you're an early startup, they tend to stay even if the people change in the leadership positions. And Uber just does not have I don't know something they from what's been released about their past. A little shoddy culture uh, when it comes to, like, harassment and things like that. So all those reasons are why I'm not the most bullish on them when it comes to long-term stock investment. But the big thing for me is I don't see anything about anything they've ever offered that makes me be like, all right, I'm staying with these guys and not going to Lyft or whoever. Their customer loyalty is totally based on things like price point and they're getting by right now on on uh nobody you know disrupting them and being first to market and having that extra brand equity you get with being first to market and that's it and that's what i see their valuation being based off of um so i just think that you know 10 years 20 years from now maybe even five years from now some startup will disrupt that space and Uber can collapse real quick, much like, you know, Walmart versus Amazon. I know Walmart's making a comeback now, but for a while, you know, Walmart had a decade of just getting destroyed and dominated. And I could totally see that with Uber because there's just nothing that makes it the best, nothing unique, nothing that is margin enhancing for them and hard to copy relative to the competition. So that's why I am not the biggest fan of investing in Uber. Okie doke. One last question. This one is not actually an Instagram question. This was just uh, from a text. So I'm not going to give a name away. It was just for fun. But uh, this one's for fun. This one is not really business related at all. But uh, thoughts on this whole college scandal. So this whole thing with, uh, what's her face, Desperate Housewife and Aunt Becky, Uncle Jesse's kid going to college illegally, uh, Lori Loughlin and uh, Felicity Huffman, been bribing deans at at USC to get their kids in, and uh, Lori Loughlin's kid's also an Instagram influencer, and a spoiled brat one at that. Like, she's talked about not giving a shit about academics, like, on her YouTube channel or Instagram channel or whatever. And uh, she's in some shit now. And the thing to me that's crazy is that they faked her being an athlete so she can get in with lower admission standards. And to me, there's a big distinction between an athlete, let's say a football player, only needing, like, an 800 on their SAT to get in versus somebody pretending to be an athlete so they can get in with lower scores to me the difference is because i've I've heard a lot about this debate on 
other podcasts and to me it's like usc makes it known that you can be an athlete and get in with a lower score like that's public information that anyone can have access to they admit it they're admitting that their athletes have more value than the average student does which means they don't need the same academic scores and they have the right to do that particularly as a private university but when it comes to faking being an athlete to take advantage of that extra you know value that the university is putting on being an athlete that's when it's messed up and with me it's like what the hell are these parents thinking how old school do you have to be in your head to give a shit about the brand recognition of your kid going to such and such school that's not going to prepare them for the real world you know what i mean like to me i grew when i grew up these parents were obsessed and this is this is like 10 not 20 years ago i'm not that old jesus christ but this is like 10 years ago parents would just love to blabble and blabble about their kids in the suburbia town that i raised that i was raised in and they would talk about their kid going to nyu or whatever like it's a fucking country club or you know, it was NYU, it was Cornell, it was Yale, it was uh, even shitty schools, like, not shitty schools, but schools that aren't even, like, amazing, like Penn State and Maryland, which are good state schools, but, like, they're not Harvard, let's be real here. Um, and they would, you know, rock the bumper stickers on the back of their Volvo station wagons. And it was just this whole, like, branding exercise that I was always like, this is like a school. This is like my high school. It's just a school. But if the school's good at sports, there's all this branding attached to it and all this cachet. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. I don't even want my kids to go to college. I want them to learn a trade because it's becoming more and more apparent to me that CEOs this day and age and more emerging CEO types that start businesses don't give two shits about your undergrad USC degree in communications. That is not valuable. Nobody cares. And the only reason why people are still paying the ridiculous amount of money to go there is for this branding bullshit. And to me, it's like the last great snake oil salesman marketing hustle in america where the return on investment is nowhere close to the amount of investment you're putting in you know like i regret going to college i wish i didn't go to college i wish what i what i wish i did was i wish i like went to a coding boot camp before it was cool and then transition from there to like a product management boot camp or a ux design boot camp I wish I went to a design, uh, you know, summer course. I wish I just kind of built my own education around things I was interested in and things that are valuable, like coding, music production, graphic design, uh, learning about data analytics and creative writing, and just built my own curriculum out of that through ad hoc programs. That's what I wish I did. Um, because when it comes to these counselors at these colleges they don't know how to build a curriculum correctly around around you i feel like that's one of the positions that is the 
least well served when it comes to them doing their jobs. They just don't. I just remember all these conversations being around course load credits and setting up your credits so you can graduate on time. And that's it. Not about anything regarding getting a job, how this is going to give you value, this is how going to give a company that employs you value down the road. Those discussions were never even part of the equation. And that's what really needs to change with all this shit. So they can be dumb. These, you know, fucking Uncle Jesse's wife and desperate housewife, they can do all this shit. But at the end of the day, you know, it's just it's just magnifying the issue of how over romanticized these colleges that don't do their job correctly actually are in this country. And we're the only country in the world that are suckers like this because college does not cost that much money like a USC or NYU or something like that anywhere else in the world. It's only here. And to me, it's one of like the negative effects of capitalism. This is the fact that these schools can be so disproportionately uh, self-valued compared to what they're actually worth. All right, that's it. Rant over. Aunt Becky's in trouble. It is what it is. That is another episode of Not Rocket Science. Hope you guys like this one. Um, if you want to ask a question, hit me up on Instagram at NRS underscore show or Twitter. Same handle nrs underscore show or email at not rocket science show at gmail.com bam that is it guys hope you have a good one this week i will be as usual releasing new episodes every tuesday so keep watch and uh thanks for listening appreciate it love you guys all right peace